Tonight's scripture reading is Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The word of the Lord. The last Mother's Day sermon that I preached was uh, about 25 years ago. After the sermon, uh, uh, a mother of several small children came by my office, good friend. She said, you know, I, Doug, I just, I just need to tell you, I was very hurt. I didn't feel that you honored the, uh, the, the office of mother like you should. Then a few days later... Uh, uh, a wife who could not have children came by and she said, Doug, I, I just need to tell you that was a very hurtful sermon. Um, it's something I really would like to have, be as a mother and I can't and it just was really hurtful. And then after that, a, a single woman came by and said, um, you know, you always focus on married couples. There's no singles day. Uh, I just found that sermon very hurtful. Um, and then after that, <laughs> a friend came by and said, I'll never come to Mother's Day again. I said, um, why is that? And she said, she said, I have a troubled relationship with my mom, and this, the whole thing is, is too painful. And since I am a, a brave and prophetic man, I decided um, <laughs> I would never preach another Mother's Day sermon again. And I haven't for 25 years. And I'd begun preparing for Matthew 2 when I sensed a nudging from the Lord and just sensed that, that this year, maybe for some reasons in my own heart, but maybe for some of you too, I hope, uh, that it was time to revisit a, a Mother's Day sermon. And uh, maybe we'll do this every 25 years. How would that be? Um, let me take a moment and introduce you to my mother. Uh, that's Toby Bannister. And uh, that's me at a marina in 1961. Uh, my mom was from Omaha, Nebraska. Mom went to Grinnell College in Iowa, where she met my dad in a play. Uh, they married after graduation. I came along six years later. My sister Jennifer came along eight years after that. Mom was a very gifted elementary school teacher. Uh, she earned a master's degree at Ohio State. Uh, later taught at an inner city school in Orlando. She loved reading and traveling with dad and made unbelievable snickerdoodles. <laughs> Mom began showing symptoms of Parkinson's in her late 60s. They moved up to Teleco Village so that they could be with us, uh, but she was diagnosed with lung cancer about as soon as they got here. And two months later, she passed away. And you can, you can spare the folks uh, the, the baby picture now. Thanks for putting that up. When, when my mom got sick, I, I knew that there were some things that I really needed to say to her. But I kept putting it off. And uh, towards the end, uh, she was in the hospital over at UT, and I'd visit her pretty much every day, and... And every day I'd park and I'd walk over and I'd think, you know, I really need to just share with her how, how I feel about her. 
And I never could find the right words or the right time, and it just didn't work out. Well, I finally got to the point that hospice um, took her home, as they do such a wonderful job with, and, and she was uh, going to die in my dad's house out in Teleco Village. And we had dinner one night, and I, I really sensed, you know, I, I need to just, just have a good, honest heart-to-heart with Mom. And went over to uh, her bedside, and, and uh, I just couldn't do it. And I, I walked out. And I got halfway to my car in my dad's driveway, and I thought, you know, you need to do it. Turned back around, went back to the house. Then I thought, you know, hospice said this could go on for weeks. You probably can do it later. Turned back around, got in my car, and that was the last time I saw my mom. And, and that is probably the greatest regret that I have in my life, is that I, I did not tell my mom some things that God had put in my heart. The fifth commandment says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you. Jesus repeats that commandment. Paul repeats it. What, is it, what does it mean to honor your mother? Uh, the Hebrew word there is kabod. It also is translated as glory. It's the word that's often used for glorifying God, esteeming God, giving Him weight and significance and value. Uh, The idea is that God is to be honored as the source of of all of life, and in a secondary way, parents are to be honored as the source of our biological life. Um, Proverbs 4.8 uses the word to prize highly. Psalms 91.15, it means caring and showing affection. When you come into the New Testament, it's a different Greek word, but it's really the same semantic range. It's this idea of value, uh, esteeming, regarding, taking seriously. And there's also this undertone of doing this as your parents age. Uh, And that included economic uh, care, but also things as simple as uh, sharing life-giving words with them. One of the ways that we honor our parents is by blessing them with with our words. The scriptures say a lot about the power of spirit-led speech. Uh, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. Good words can make an anxious heart glad, Proverbs 12, 25. Pleasant words are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones, Proverbs 16, 24. Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Proverbs 25.11 Words have the power to give life, to relieve anxiety, to fight despair, to give hope. They heal, they encourage. And, And all God was asking me, He wasn't asking me to reinvent my relationship with my mother or to become best friends with my mother. He was just asking me to bless my mother as she was dying, with some life-giving words. And when I turned around on the porch, or rather on the driveway that night in Teleco Village, I broke the fifth commandment. Here's what I wish I would have said to Mom before she died. I wish first I'd said, Mom, tell me your story. When I first started working on this sermon, I called my dad, who turned 80 this week, and and I said, 
Dad, I've been thinking about Mom lately, and there's just some things that I wish I'd have said. And, and are you okay with me talking about this with my church? And he said, yes. He says, as a matter of fact, I've been thinking about Mom a lot, and there's a lot of things that, that, that I wish I'd said too. And we started to reminisce, and, and Dad told me things that, that I'd not known. He, he, he said, Mom was so smart, she skipped a grade in elementary school, and he told me about the day he walked into the Grinnell cafeteria and, and she w- walked in with a guy on her arm and how his heart became all nervous and anxious when he saw her. He told me that mom was so loved by her kids at that inner city school that the fifth grade class seven years later got together and gave her a card thanking her for their year with her. A few days later, Dad dropped some of these pictures uh, of Mom by the house. And one black and white photograph just took my breath away. And maybe I'd seen it before. I don't think I I had. It was of my mother in 1951. And uh, it was her high school graduation picture. And she's just beautiful. She's wearing an off-white cashmere sweater. She's brushed her chestnut hair back like Betty Davis. Uh, Her smile is uh, innocent and elegant. And she's peering into the camera. And she's peering into her future, really, waiting to begin the grand adventure that would be her life. And, And I looked at that. I put it by my desk this week as I worked on this sermon, and I kept looking at it. And she's so pretty in it, and I... I just remember thinking, Mom, I wish I hadn't been so obsessed with my own adventure that I didn't take the time to learn more about yours. I wish I'd ask her some questions. I wish I'd ask her about Jody and Annie, her two college roommates. Mom and those two wrote each other faithfully for 50 years. I can't remember the names of my college roommates. I'd love to know about their relationship. I, I wish I knew more about her childhood. Her father, Grandpa Don, played trumpet in a jazz band called Cato and his Vagabonds uh, to support the family during the Great Depression. What would that have been like? How did that affect her? I wish I'd ask her why she loved teaching. I wish I'd ask her how she fell in love with Dad. I wish I'd ask her why she hated cats so much. She just hated cats. You know, when you ask a person's story, especially an older person, you're telling them that they matter, that they're not done yet, that their life had a purpose to it. And When my kids were little, I asked my grandmother to tell us her story. And we sat down with a tape recorder one afternoon in our living room, and, our, and we took notes, and our kids just kind of crawled around at her feet as Grandma's weary eyes brightened and danced. And for an hour or so, she became this ambitious graduate student having lunch with my grandfather in a coffee shop in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, as they both began their graduate studies at Columbia University. And when Sandy and I went to New York for our 20th anniversary, we spent a day wandering around Columbia 
trying to find out where they met. I wish I had known more stories like that from my mom. That would have honored her. I wish I had said to my mom, Mom, please remember God's forgiving, welcoming grace. Towards the end, as Parkinson's ravaged her body and cancer worked its evil magic, Mom did not say much. And when she did speak, she often would apologize. And uh, she called, my dad still was Big Doug and I was Dougie. And uh, she, would, she would say, uh, Dougie, I, I'm, I'm sorry. And I think, well, why? why? I, I'm thankful for, for you, Mom. But now that my children are, are adults, I think I may be understanding what she might have been feeling. When I look back over the years of raising our kids, I'm, I'm filled with thanksgiving and wonder too, but I often feel regret. You know, when people talk about their parents, they often say, well, you know, they did the best they could. I didn't. Sometimes I was selfish. Sometimes I worked too much. Sometimes I was too passive. And as I watch my kids embrace the challenges of adulthood, I celebrate with them, but I also see the sins of the fathers, this father, visited upon them. And so maybe as mom sat in her room on the seventh floor of the UT Medical Center and thought about her life, she had similar feelings I'll never know because I didn't ask. I do know that the accuser attacks us when we're weak. I've often seen the evil one whisper condemning thoughts into the ears of God's aging saints, reminding them of their failures and telling them that they didn't do enough. Parkinson's terrified my mother. And we just didn't know how to talk about it. And once my mom sent a, a note, and she said, would you watch this documentary? And it was a, a show about a man going through the different stages of Parkinson's. And, and I, I got through half of it, and I, I couldn't finish it. I just couldn't watch anymore. And I called her, and we stumbled through this awkward conversation. And years later, I realized she was saying, Dougie, I'm scared. And one of the things that's always struck me is that I I feel like most of the time, I mean, I've been in the ministry now 27 years. I've talked to people about just about everything. Normally the Lord gives me something to say. And yet with my own mother, I, I I didn't know how to comfort her with the hope of the gospel. For some reason, I was afraid to pastor her that way. And and I wish now that I had prayed Paul's great prayer for the Ephesians over her and with her. 
prayed that God might grant mom to be strengthened with power through his spirit and her inner being so that Christ might dwell in mom's heart through faith, that she being rooted and grounded in love might have strength to comprehend with all the saints what the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that mom might be filled with the fullness of God. I would have loved to pray that prayer over my mom and, and yet often I just I just kind of sat there. I wish I'd done more to honor my mom by comforting her with the hope that is in Christ Jesus. And lastly, I wish I'd said thank you to my mom. In more than the perfunctory thank you that you say when you make the perfunctory Mother's Day call. Um, I wish I'd really said thank you. You know, one of the things I love about our church now I've always loved all the seasons that we're in, but I love all the, the young families. And, and, and as, I, as I watch you uh, raise uh, your families, I'm reminding that raising a child is a heroic, sacrificial act. And we've been able to go through some of this together. I've been with some of you since college, and we've done premarital together, and I've watched you wrestle and go through these things. And, and I, I watch you begin by uh, wrestling with whether or not you can even afford to have a child. And then you realize nobody can afford to have a child. <laughs> it's not cost-effective, and you have one anyway. And then I watch you stay up all night, and I watch you read all the best parenting books, and I watch you pace the halls of Children's Hospital, and I watch you fight for your marriage when you realize you haven't had a date night in a year and a half, and I watch you worry about schools and class sizes and reading scores and learning disabilities, and I watch the older parents worry about college costs and boyfriends with mohawks and signs of depression. And while you're doing all of this, your bosses demand more and more, and the economy continues to sputter, and your own parents get sick and need you too. It's amazing. And then it hit me. My mom did all that too. See, this, this is the tragic irony of, of the way the life cycles work. I really, maybe this is why the Lord had me do this this week. Embedded in my mind are the last four years of my mom's life when she was very ill. And I'd forgotten all the other stuff. Mom and Dad sat in the waiting room of some Cleveland hospital when they operated on my intestines shortly after I was born. Mom managed her teaching career and put off graduate work so that she could be home when I was little. Mom waited up late for Dad and I to get home from the hospital when I hooked a boy's head instead of a fish at a Boy Scout camp. The guy wasn't happy. Um... <laughs> Mom was there the night I got kicked out of Weebelows for cheating on my cleanliness scouting badge. <laughs> it was very unfair, but they, they did it anyway. And, and I realized that Mom had done all the mom stuff, felt all the mom feelings, worried all the mom worries, but I didn't know it. Because my life was about me. One of you, a friend, told me this story recently. You said, you know, once when our daughter was about junior in college... She came home one night and she said, Mom and Dad, sit down. i got to tell you something. And so we sat down. She sat down. She looks at us and she said, Mom and Dad, I've just realized something. You're people. 
<laughs> and I thought, yes, yes, because when you're a kid, they're not, right? You're the sun, they're the moon, they rotate around, around you. And that's the way it was with me. My leaving for college was hard on my mom. Um, the, the summer before I, I left, summer of 1979, she would set her hand softly on my shoulder and just let it rest there. And I remember thinking, would you move your hand? And I remember sometimes I'd be eating a bowl of cereal and mom would kind of get this look on her face and it was kind of like a summer shadow just coming over her. And I just remember thinking, Mom, jeez, lighten up. 17-year-old boys are not known for emotional sensitivity. But I understand now because now I'm the one whose hand has lingered on the shoulder of the child who is all too happy to leave my home and go away to college And now I know what she was feeling that summer of 1979. She had been a good mom, and she'd poured her life into me, and she was grieving that that was over. I wish I'd have thanked her for that. Now, like all moms, or most moms, my mom had an irrational belief in my potential. (laughs) I think that's a mom thing. My mother told me once, I think I've told you this, she thought I'd be on the cover of Time magazine one day. Now, she didn't realize there probably wouldn't be a Time magazine one day. And, And I always knew I wouldn't be on the cover of Time magazine one day. But it's nice to have one person in the world that thinks that highly of you. And that's what moms do. I wish I'd thanked her for believing in me like that. Oh, I was sharing some thoughts about this sermon this week with, with a friend, and she grew quiet and then began to cry, and I could tell that I had upset, upset her. And she said, you know, um, she actually she put her hands out like this. She said, I have reached out to my mother my whole life, and she's always pushed my hands away. Are you blaming me for that? I'm, of course, not blaming her for that. I'm not blaming you for that. We can't control the relationship we have with our parents. You go as far as as they want to go. Honoring your mom and dad is not the same thing as having an intimate relationship with them. What I'm saying is, is that if your mother is still alive, figure out a way to bless them by honoring them with some heartfelt words. I'm not asking you to change your boundaries. I'm not asking you to overlook things that happened in your childhood. I get all that. But last time I checked, the uh, fifth commandment wasn't extra credit. It's, uh, It's for all of us. Now, if you have trouble imagining having that conversation, or maybe you just can't have that conversation, write her a letter. That's a good way to honor a parent, especially maybe if you're struggling in the relationship. Garrison Keillor once wrote of letter writing, A letter is such a sweet gift, a piece of handmade writing in an envelope that is not a bill. 
sitting in our friend's path when she trudges home from a long day spent among wahoos and savages. A day our words will help repair. They don't need to be immortal words, just sincere ones. She can read them twice and again tomorrow. So if words don't come, write her a letter. I want you to pay attention to your heart right now. If it's kind of queasy and you're thinking, I can't go there. Um, Maybe what you need to do is forgive your mother. Let her off the hook. Let her go. Accept your mom for who she is. And then write the letter. My friend Dan Fry was sharing in our men's group Friday a story, and I asked him if, uh, if I could share it tonight about the power of honoring your parents this way. Dan had a painful relationship with his dad. Uh, Dan's father ran a market in Delhi in South Knoxville, and he wanted Dan to take over the family business. Dan, however, wanted to go to college. Dan and his father continued to struggle in their relationship. But one morning during Dan's freshman year at UT, he decided, you know, I'm going to do what I can to honor my dad. And so he left a note on the kitchen table for him. I'll read part of it. Dear Dad, I've been thinking a lot lately about my decision to go to college, and I want to explain that to you. I know you've worked very hard my entire life to support all of us. I hope you can understand that my decision to go to UT isn't because I don't appreciate your hard work for all of us at the market. I really do. I decided to go to college because you always said I could do anything I set my mind to. Then the next paragraph talks about what he wants to study in college. Then he says, anyways, the reason I wanted to let you know about this is because I'm trying to do my best. You always taught us that no matter what we do, we should try to do our best. I'm sorry if not taking over the store hurts you. I'm not sure if you wanted me to or if I'd be very good at running it, but I do want you to know that going to college is really important to me, and I hope you'll be proud of me for trying my best. Love, Danny. Well, Dan's dad never said a word to him about the note, never acknowledged receiving it. Eight years later, two men came into Dan's dad's store, Uh, shot Dan's dad, and he died behind the register. Dan went to the police to gather up his father's possessions, which included an old coat that his father would wear most days. And when Dan checked the coat pocket, he found the letter that he'd written his father torn apart by bullets and stained with blood. His father had kept it with him every day the rest of his life. 
My mom's not here anymore. Yours may not be either. But I'm going to write her a letter anyway. Because it's never too late to obey the fifth commandment. Let's pray. Thank you.